0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello, and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks team coverage podcast, formerly known as Hoop Ball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm yours, Brad Harden recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, recording this on October 12th, Wednesday night, right after the Hawks matchup, third preseason game up in Cleveland, where the Hawks did fall short to the Cavaliers, 105-99, and I was live tweeting for the most part during the game, and there was a reasonable observation, jet lag I think had something to do with tonight's Lackadaisical start. And I won't say that lackadaisical as far as not giving effort. They just seemed to drag a little bit. Seemed out of sorts. Were rushing things. Were trying to see things and force things that weren't there, which led to a lot of first-half turnovers. And I'm going to attribute to a long, long flight overseas to Abu Dhabi, a time jump of 7 Eight hours, and you're still adjusting to the sleep pattern in the, in the eastern time zone here in the United States. That's not a cop out, that is facts. I mean, anybody, and even uh, Dominique in the broadcast tonight, which was great to hear him and Bob back on Bally Sports covering Hawks basketball. Two of the best, um, around, in my opinion. Uh, I think people in Charlotte may have something to say about their. Uh, Commentators for the game, but even Dominique talked about he is even still tired and struggling with the jet lag, and he didn't play. He didn't play overseas. So I'm sure that these athletes, even though they're athletes and people see them as superhumans, are having to deal with real issues as far as jet lag and still having to perform and train at the highest level for professional sport let alone the NBA, which is the best basketball league in the world. But you still have to play. It's on your schedule, and you still have to go out there and execute. And for them to lose by six after how they started, and certainly in that second quarter, it seemed like it was going to get bad. It was going to get bad before they really woke up and started playing some defense, some sound defense to kind of settle things down and give them a chance to get back into the game, which they did in the second half and ultimately falls short. Uh, Once Cleveland got on a little bit of a run leading up to the four-minute mark in the fourth quarter, then the changing in the guard, Naaman Millen let the uh, reserves go ahead and get minutes late in that game. So that's how things transpired in Cleveland. So the Hawks did again fall short, 105-99. The Hawks as a team shot 34% from the floor, And 44% from three. Now, 44% from three, you may see that without watching the game and say, that's great. Well, they had a really slow start from the three-point line. They were struggling. Especially in that second quarter, they were struggling from threes. They were trying to force too many threes. Not too many in volume, but threes that they were just trying to keep pace with the Cavs instead of playing their own game. And... They finally settled in and, it, like I said, started on the defensive end. And then in the second half, they came out with some fight and some effort and started executing on both ends and shot well from the three-point line in the second half, in particular in the third quarter. So that that's what helped the Hawks get back into the game. The Hawks, I rebounded the Cavaliers 60-49, to even though the Cavs were without Evan Mobley. Out-rebounding the Cavs with that big front court is not a small feat, so I do have to give credit where credit is due because they were battling. It was a preseason game, but they were battling in that paint, and it was a really physical matchup, which plays to the strength of Cavaliers. And when your two backcourt players don't shoot well from the floor, to play with that physicality and match it with a team that likes to play that style and you only lose by six, it's not bad. Again, it's preseason. We're not here to overreact. We're being objective, looking at the small sample size, taking the positives, taking away the negatives. What can they improve on? What are good habits they are establishing, and what are some potential bad habits that needs to be addressed sooner rather than later so they don't get off to the slow start like they did last year? I don't think the Hawks in the regular season are going to get off to a slow start. Purely because they're healthy this year. And knock on wood, and we're going to talk about health a little bit later. um, Because we did not come out unscathed. But certainly it's not negative, super negative news in that department. Um, The Hawks did not shoot as well in the paint as they did against the Milwaukee Bucks. But again, the Cavs were physical in the post. Especially in the first half. And made things really difficult for the Atlanta Hawks. And as I said before... The Hawks did answer that physicality in the second half to make things harder in the paint for the Cavaliers, which I loved seeing. Adjustments, playing up to the energy, the physicality that the other team is bringing, which is something that the Hawks need to just bring from the jump. But again, I'm going to give them a, a pass. Preseason game, jet lag. They have to play overseas because even, hey, the Bucks even struggled tonight. They lost in a preseason matchup to the Brooklyn Nets at home by 10 and looking at their stats, they shot just under 42% from the floor and 39% from three. So even they had and had 22 turnovers. So even they had some of the same issues, didn't score that well in the paint. They had some of the same issues as the Hawks and they were the only two teams in the NBA to go overseas. I mean, Golden State went overseas and I forgot who they played as well. But these two teams playing the same night, dealing with the same schedule essentially and both ended up losing here. And I think the Hawks will respond better on Wednesday night when I mean sorry on Friday night when they take on the New Orleans Pelicans in Birmingham, but back to this matchup. Takeaways from the game tonight. And I tweeted about this and I already kind of alluded to this. From the second half of the first, sorry, of the second quarter through the rest of the game, the Hawks played pretty good team defense, especially the third quarter. Third quarter defense was really good. It allowed for them to claw back in the game, give them a chance to even tie it up and take the lead at one point behind their defense, which is. Hard for people to grasp, some people, especially when you look at them last year, but that third quarter was pivotal. I mean, they were outscored 32 to 17 in the second quarter, flipped that around and outscored the Cavaliers 31 to 24 in the third quarter. So I liked how they came out of the locker room and responded. We know from last year that the Hawks normally are out of, usually when they struggle. Going into the half that third quarter, when you really want to see them make a push, you you guys know from watching the games, they they faltered a little bit. They may not bring it. You didn't see the adjustments that you were wanting to see coming out of halftime. But tonight I did. I did see adjustments on both sides of the floor, defensively and offensively, which was a step in the right direction because I I see all on Twitter. And I already started seeing chirps about Nate McMillan sucks. He doesn't know what he's doing. Same old Nate. Blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, that chatter stopped once the second half happened. And we started seeing the Hawks playing better defense. Playing more energy. Executing at a high level. That sound defense that they were playing in the third quarter turned into offense for them. It made things a whole lot easier for them to claw back in the game. They were down by 10 at halftime. And they were able to come back and tie it, even take the lead in the third quarter. So that is a tribute to second half, uh, the halftime adjustments and applying them into the second half. So that is a positive. We need to continue to see that. I don't want this to be a one off. We need to see that every single night. And obviously, we're not going to have jet lag like that every single night. We're going to play with probably a little bit more energy, more effort in. It was more of a regular season-type rotation, about nine, ten, nine guys for the most part of the game outside of the end of the game where they started getting people off of the bench. So they treated it like a dress rehearsal for the most most part, which was great to see. And it kind of makes me wonder how they're going to handle Friday. Will more young guys get minutes? Will some veterans rest? I'm sure one player will not play, and we'll talk about that here in a bit. Um, just for as a precaution, as a precaution, as a precursor. I will talk about that in a bit. But I loved seeing that second-half fight. I didn't care if it was preseason. I loved seeing it, and I think the Hawks, and they talked about it on a broadcast, and Nate Millon talked about it in the media day, about their identity. Who are the Atlanta Hawks? What are they going to hang their hat on this year? And I think they're starting to find that, hey, we can be physical. We're we have a little connectivity on the defensive end, and we can play some sound team defense to help us get some stops and then an easier opportunities on the offensive end. Yeah. They have to hang their hat on that. That's something that they have to continue to do. And like I said, it cannot be a one-off thing. It has to be a continual thing for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, more takeaways from tonight. Our backcourt struggled shooting the ball. They were combined 10 of 36 from the floor tonight. Murray had 17 points, four rebounds, four assists, knocked down three three three-pointers on six attempts, added a block, and was effective defensively. He did have three turnovers. So four assists, three turnovers, not great. He was kind of out of sync. He did not play in the second preseason game. So he, I mean, I'm not... Calling rust on that because he did play in the first game and was great, but certainly didn't play the last game. Had to travel like the rest of the team on the same schedule. So I'll give him that. Trey Young finished with 14 points, was 3 of 17 from the floor. Really had a rough go at it tonight. Had six assists, two steals, but had six turnovers. And Trey Young was just trying to. Force things that he didn't need to force. It was kind of relegating back to younger Trey, year one, year two, trying to force things, force plays. And he had a lot of those turnovers in the first half. Then he really kind of settled down in the second half, started moving the ball, getting the ball to his teammates and letting them work, letting them get their ball get the ball in their spots and execute. And that was a positive that I took away from Trey Young was the turnovers early on, the shot wasn't falling trusting his teammates to let them get going, get in rhythm. And they did that to help them claw back into the game, especially John Collins in that second half. He was hot in the third quarter and was almost him. And then Murray coming along were instrumental in getting the Hawks back to tying the ball game up and eventually taking the lead before Cleveland took the lead back and then never let it go for the rest of the game. So, Is our star backcourt always going to shoot 10 for 36 from the floor? No. No. Is Trey Young always going to have games like where he had in the first half of game two in Abu Dhabi where he scores almost 30 points in 20 minutes? No. But, I mean, it's the NBA. It's going to be ebbs and flows. It's going to be good nights and bad nights. This was just a bad night. I chucked that up to it. I'm not going to overreact to it as well. But I did like how both of them kept fighting, kept trusting their teammates, and that's what gave them a chance to ultimately almost win this game, despite not playing well, starting off poorly. So I'm going to take that, they take the positive from that. Those were negative numbers that I mentioned for those two star players that were going to count on a lot for this team, but I'm going to take the positive from how they responded and kept. Trying to play winning basketball, play Hawks basketball, get everybody involved, and spread the ball around. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chuck that as a positive. Um, I'm going to talk about a few more takeaways, but first, this quick plug. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Now, I don't know about you. I'm in several fantasy leagues, and every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon... Ash Ketchum had Gary, and I know you have your Gary out there. So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikal Bridges before any other ranked list? I know which one. It's the Brewskis 150. And you probably turn those huge wins into some cash or a fantasy basketball championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. And Ethos 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes. To answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues, beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back. Continuing with the takeaways from tonight's game. Aggression and physicality from everybody in the starting lineup outside of our backcourt. So the front court and our wing and DeAndre Hunter. I loved how all three of them played in the respective minutes. Now, the numbers may not be jump off the page, but they were instrumental in hitting timely shots, getting timely rebounds, making key plays to keep chipping away and chipping away. At this deficit that they had. The deficit was at 17 at one point. I want to say that was the largest lead at one point, And that's where I'm going to pull out the phone and look at the stats right here. And yeah, the largest deficit was 18 points. They were down by 18 points. And to go from down 18 points in the first half to taking the lead back in the second half. It's going to be really attributed to John Collins start and it's him setting the tone out of the gate uh, to start the second half, DeAndre Hunter's aggression, and Clint Capella's defense. And and I'm going to say, because Clint Capella, he did go out of the game with a right thumb strain in the third quarter. I assume he probably will rest on Friday night. Some people on Twitter thought maybe jammed thumb. He was wincing at the end of that second quarter. He was going for a ball where he – Swiped away out of it. They were trying to throw an outlet pass to start the fast break, and Kinkapela was down, back on defense already. Swiped it away, kind of jammed his thumb, and led to his right thumb strain. So I figured he won't play on Friday. They'll probably rest that thumb to get him ready for the season opener versus the Houston Rockets. But his defense, at the basically in the second quarter, to help cut that deficit from 18 to 10, going into half, was instrumental. He was setting the tone. He was playing with a lot of energy, a lot of effort. And he was being that anchor defensively that he want, that, that he basically stated that he wanted to be coming into media day and coming into the season. He wants to be known as one of the best defenders in the NBA. And even though he didn't get the blocks that Jared Allen got, his defensive presence was felt... He was challenging shots and certainly battling on the glass. And in 23 minutes, he had eight points, 15 rebounds, including six of those rebounds on the offensive glass. By the way, as a team, the Hawks were pretty good on the offensive glass tonight, which led to a lot of second chance points. Which the Hawks won that margin and helped the Hawks get back into the game. And like I said, he was a presence defensively. He had four blocks tonight, even though Jared Allen did beat him out in the block category with five on the other end. But certainly he was competing, setting the tone, and being the a defensive leader on the floor to help kind of spearhead this comeback for the Atlanta Hawks. So I was really impressed with what I saw from Capella. Kind of got off to a slow start in Abu Dhabi. So it was great to see this game tonight. I hated to see him leave with that injury, but you know what? Right thumb strain. I'm going to look at that as not a negative. It could be a lot worse. So we'll take what we can get. Probably going to rest on Friday, get him back for the uh, regular season opener. Uh, But love what I saw from Capella, his aggression and physicality. DeAndre Hunter was aggressive and physical as well, especially, you know, getting the ball at the three-point line, working himself into the mid-range, getting his mid-range jumper off, getting into the paint, attacking the defense, finishing in the paint and around the rim all night long. Putting the ball on the floor, driving to the cup when the jump shot wasn't necessarily there, or when the defense bit on a pump fake and he would blow past the defenders and get into the to the paint and then hit a floater and just just take advantage of what the defense is giving you. That's what I like seeing from DeAndre Hunter and John Collins, which and I even tweeted, I said, I want to see this team continue to incorporate Hunter and Collins in the offense and get them in rhythm. And tonight, they did do that, even though it wasn't a ton of points from DeAndre Hunter. 12 points, five boards, two assists in 27 minutes. His presence was felt, and he helped with floor spacing. He was playing defense. He was active. He was physical. I loved the aggression in the thought process in this offensive game. And it's showing on both ends of the floor aggression, physicality. Confidence. DeAndre Hunter looks very confident to start the preseason. Very confident, and I think, barring he continues to stay healthy, and I'm gonna knock on wood there, and continues to be infused into this offense night and night out. I think his confidence is only going to grow, and if we can get, and I even said, if we can get. 14, point, 14, 15, 16 points roughly a game from DeAndre Hunter. This is a pretty damn good Atlanta Hawks team, in my opinion, if you're getting that production from DeAndre Hunter, in my opinion. So, loved what I saw from DeAndre Hunter. Loved them getting John Collins involved. In 24 minutes, he put the ball on the floor a lot more than I've seen. You know, he had more touches, he had touch around the rim to finish in traffic. Outside of just dunking the ball, which we know he can dunk the ball. We know he can. I mean, he already put, uh, I want to say, he already put Lopez on a poster for the Bucks. He already did that already. I mean, so he's already starting off the year right in the dunking category. But the other elements of the offensive game, I love seeing him put the ball on the floor and finishing in the paint, finishing in traffic, just like DeAndre Hunter, being aggressive, uh, shooting the three ball tonight. He looked confident. He was in rhythm there. And John Collins finished with 15 points, shot 60% from the floor on 10 shots. So, an efficient 15 points, three of five from the three point line, and added seven rebounds. I love the contributions from DeAndre Hunter and Collins. And if you're getting those contributions from them, and DeJounte Murray and Trey Young are on, or just one of them are on, you should win more games than you lose in this NBA. Like I said, I'm not banking on both Murray and Young having games in the same game like they did tonight. But to see the other people step up, Capella, Hunter, Collins, all starters, was very, very encouraging for me to see. Collins and Hunter both got 10 shots apiece tonight, which I think needs to be what they normally get. I think they need 10 shots a night, in my opinion. Maybe a little bit less when bogey does come back from injury. But we need to continue to get them opportunities to score, touch the ball, incorporate them in the offense, in their spots on the floor, like John Collins in the post. John Collins behind the three-point line. Catch and shoot opportunities for DeAndre Hunter. Let DeAndre Hunter get the ball on the wing, pump fake, and then drive past the defender and finish, finish around the rim, finish in the paint. Uh, His timely cuts and John Collins' timely cuts. The more they play, I mean, because they already have continuity with Trey Young. And Trey Young has to, you know, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray both, Murray has to get, you know, in rhythm with Hunter, Collins, Capella, and everybody else in the Hawks because he's new. But Trey Young has to as well get used to having Murray on the court. Spacing is a little bit different. So continue to build continuity, get comfortable. With this roster, the great thing is that they're all healthy. They're all practicing. So they're going to they're having opportunities in preseason games and game like situations to execute and get minutes alongside these players and as well as practice with these guys. They had the opportunity to travel to Abu Dhabi to bond to get to experience something new with these guys and grow a little bit closer together. This is a team that looks a little bit more connected than they did last year already to start. I'm not overreacting there. They do. They do. And it shows defensively. It shows with you know responding to adversity early, even though they did fall short tonight. I like the things that are that I'm seeing. They're starting to build good habits before the tip-off of the regular season even happens. So, and they even talked about it on the broadcast. Trey Young mentioned how excited he is just to have people healthy during training camp, to have almost a full deck of cards to play, and to continue to get used to these guys before live game action in the regular season happens, where every game counts. Because this Eastern Conference is going to be tough. The Cavaliers are going to be around the entire year in the Eastern Conference. They're going to be playing t- playing team. Maybe the sixth seed, depending how things shaken up. I think they're probably going to be more of a play-in team, in my opinion. But this team's going to be around. The Hawks have to see that team three more times this year. Luckily, two of them are here in Atlanta and then one in Cleveland. But they're going to have to see that team three times. So it was great that the Hawks saw them in the preseason. That didn't count. You get a feel for them. And then you have three opportunities in the regular season. Can you win the regular season series against them? I think yes, especially when you have two contests in Atlanta and just one in Cleveland, you should win that series. So tonight, although not a full precursor, like I said, Mobley wasn't available for the Cavaliers and Bogey was not available for the Hawks. So not a full, full deck for both teams, but certainly these teams are going to be looking at each other in the standings all year long and they're going to have to, you know, run up against each other. And obviously the Hawks did knock this team out of the plan last year. So, and you already know the chatter between who's the better backcourt, Murray young or Mitchell and Garland. That conversation is going to be all year long. So it was great to get this out of the way, which is why I think they really took a regular season approach. And then obviously incorporated getting the young guys minutes where they needed to, but both teams took this game seriously. And that's, what I saw. I know a lot of you guys are were watching the Braves game, and rightfully so. They did tie it up um, in the NLDS with the Phillies, and now they go up to Philadelphia, tied one one, with an opportunity to obviously bring the series back to Atlanta in Game Five to potentially end it, if it gets to that point, and I, it should get to that point. To be fair, but this was a really good basketball game. It didn't feel like a preseason game at Spurs. It did not. It felt like a regular season game that mattered between the two teams. And I loved seeing that. I loved the intensity that they brought. And what else I loved was the Duke boys for the Atlanta Hawks. They showed out tonight. Those young guys, Jalen Johnson and A.J. Griffin, are looking at uh, Nate McMillan in the eye and saying, hey, we deserve minutes. It's going to it's going to come especially Jalen Johnson. He got his first minutes of the preseason, not playing the first two in Abu Dhabi. He didn't travel with an illness. So certainly he had jitters, some rust and it showed, but I mean, he didn't shoot well from the floor. He was one of eight from the floor, but still scored eight points. The one shot he made was a three pointer. That was great to see. He did well from the free throw line. He added 11 rebounds, which he had 8 rebounds in like 8 minutes when he first got in. He was relentless in the glass. So 8 points, 11 rebounds, and a block off the bench in your first preseason minutes is not bad. You know what? The shot will come. The finishing and getting comfortable with your teammates and picking and choosing your spots to score around the basket, that's going to come for Jalen Johnson. But his athleticism, his size, his rebounding... He's an underrated passer. Uh, He can guard multiple positions. His size and presence will be needed this year. And I think with more minutes, with more time on the court with these guys, since he didn't get the time on Abu Dhabi like the others, I think he is going to carve himself a nice role. Uh, We don't need him to score a ton of points. We just need him to be athletic, to play defense, to get rebounds, hit a shot here and there, And just continue to grow and be an efficient player. Uh, Didn't turn the ball over a lot tonight. That's a step in the right direction for Jalen Johnson. Um, Did not force things that didn't need to be there. They encouraged him to obviously score and, you know, get his shot, which they were encouraging A.J. Griffin as well. A.J. Griffin didn't just rip the nets tonight, but 4 of 10 shooting, 40% from the floor, had 11 points, but hit three three three-pointers and added six rebounds. Both guys rebounding, both were physical, both were bought in and playing hard defensively. I loved what I saw from these two young guys. These guys are going to get minutes, and I'm going to say this now. I tweeted this as well. This is not an overreaction. A.J. Griffin is the best shooter on this Hawks team right now. I'm just being real. He's the best shooter on this team right now, right now. When you look at his shooting stroke and even just his... Savvy knowing the game. You can tell he has NBA pedigree. Always making the right play. AJ Griffin's game is really mature for a rookie. And I know some in I mean sorry, NBA executives when they were doing their votes about best players and blah blah blah. A lot of NBA executives think AJ Griffin's gonna be one of the biggest steals in this draft. I think he fell behind a couple of people, but he showed tonight why the Hawks made the right draft pick and getting A.J. Griffin. You add shooting, you add floor spacing. He is really mature for being a young player. And I think he's going to get minutes sooner rather than later on his team, especially if he continues to shoot the ball the way he is and his physical presence. And if he continues to rebound the way he is and assimilate himself on the defensive end, He's going to call himself to get a lot of minutes and Jalen Johnson is going to get minutes as well because they need somebody in that backup four position and Jalen Johnson is going to get an opportunity. So I loved what I saw from the Duke boys. They're young. They're only going to get better as the more minutes they play. Damon Mellon, please get these kids minutes. Please get these kids minutes with this team so they can build continuity and grow their games because both of their futures are bright. AJ Griffin looks like a steal. Jalen Johnson Knock off the rust. I'm really excited to see how he responds against a lot of young guys when the Pelicans well, obviously when they take on the Pelicans on Friday in Birmingham. So it's gonna be fun to watch both of these guys all year long, but to see how they improve from game to game, starting with the matchup on Friday night versus the Pelicans. O- other notable things from tonight's game: Acongou had seven points on two of six shooting from the floor, with five rebounds, two assists, and a block. He had his hands full with the size of the Cavaliers front court, especially once Capella went out. So that's something that he's gonna have to, you know, work through because he is an undersized front court player as far as height and maybe some bulk, but certainly very promising future for Okongwu. Uh bogey still didn't play tonight. He's still recovering from offseason surgery and on the other side of things for the Cavaliers. Garland and Mitchell did get the upper hand tonight. Did not shoot well either as a unit, as those two players combined, but won the game and combined still for 47 points, eight three-pointers and 15 assists. Uh, Jared Allen, as I mentioned earlier, was disruptive, had five blocks, and he had more blocks than rebounds tonight. And uh, the Atlanta native Isaac Okoro for the Cavaliers added 16 points, and shot very well for the Cavaliers. And there was some rust tonight. Um, jet lag, rust, combination of both rust and Jalen Johnson's part, uh jet lag for other players. Um, but they battled through adversity tonight, and that was great to see. Um negative some negative takeaways of seventeen team assist tonight. I'd like that number to be a little bit higher. But what's better about the seventeen team assists, they had seventeen turnovers, which is the most turnovers they had in the preseason for the Atlanta Hawks in three games. So I'm going to attribute that to jet lag. Trae Young was forcing things. He had 6 of those 17 turnovers. So that's something that's definitely going to need to be cleaned up because the turnovers in that first half in particular was leading to the Cavaliers getting out in transition and scoring off of turnovers. And right now the transition defense, just like last year, is still a sore spot for this Atlanta Hawks team. So we have to continue to take care of the ball night in, night out, win the turnover margin, and limit – transition opportunities for the other team because our transition uh, defense is not that great and it hasn't been great for several years now and I don't think there's some pixie dust that can just fix that sooner rather than later the only way to fix that is to not put yourself in that many opportunities I mean you can drill transition defense in practice you can certainly do that but don't put yourself in that situation take care of the ball and you won't be in transition, trying to guard on a run while they have numbers, three on two, two on one, and so forth. So don't put yourself in that situation. That's going to be something that we look at the entire year. Running shooters off the three-point line, the Cavs seem to be on fire from three, and it seemed like that because it seemed like they always – and their bigs are really, really good at setting screens and getting their guards – clean looks from the three-point line. That was something I saw in the playing game last year, um, just with Allen, Mobley when healthy, Lopez. They do a great job of setting screens and then rolling. And if they don't roll, just stay put and set a screen and get their guards clean three-point looks. And it seemed like they were just hitting a a plethora of three-pointers tonight. And when I looked at the stats, they only ended up hitting four more three-pointers than the Atlanta Hawks. Now, in the regular season, in playoffs, hitting four more threes than the other team can be the difference between winning and losing, being a close game or being a blowout. So something to definitely look at, continue to run shooters off the three-point line, force them to take a contested mid-range jumper instead of just a clean three-point look. Whatever you can do, that's going to be obviously attributed to defensive execution there. Um, But the Cavaliers shot 41% from three. Sorry, 41% from the floor and 39% from three. So the Hawks were more efficient and shot better from the three-point line than the Cavaliers tonight. But, again, we have to work on running three-point shooters off that three-point line and force them to either pass out or take a tougher, lower-percentage shot. And I mentioned again, for the Hawks' side of things, as far as shooting threes, like I said, they... Shot 44% from three tonight. AJ Griffin was a lot, a lot to do with that, along with DeJounte Murray and John Collins. AJ Griffin's the best the best three-point shooter the Hawks have. And Trey Young struggled tonight one for six from three. This team is going to be streaky from the three-point line. They were streaky last year. There were times where they were just cold, shooting 19, 20% from three in a the game. And there's other games where they're shooting high 30s, low 40s, and mid-40s sometimes. They are a streaky three point shooting team. I think that trend is going to continue. But what helped them get right from the three point line tonight was ball movement, off ball movement, and the adjustments they made at halftime with the ball, mo- was telling them, imploring them to move the ball more and incorporating some more off ball movement to get people some cleaner looks is key. I need to see that all year round. If the more t- the more you do that, the more you incorporate that in your offense, the cleaner looks that people are going to get. And I think you're not going to be a streaky th- three point shooter. You may not be 34, 35%. That could be the difference of you being 37, 38%, which is one of the better sh- three point shooting teams in the NBA. So that's something that I want to see get better. They're streaky. There's not a lot of great three point shooters on this team. We have people who can hit a three pointer. On his team, certainly, but they're all in the upper 30s. We don't have two or three guys who are shooting over 40% from three. John Collins is capable of shooting over 40% from three and showed that tonight. Murray's not known for as a three point shooter, he's more mid range, but and I'm not going to bank on him shooting 50% from three every single game. And that goes back to why I think AJ Griffin is very important. If he can continue to play like he did on a defensive end and then giving him minutes to, you know, get get the ball, get the ball in his hands and take shots when he's in rhythm. And we saw when he does the pump fake and does a little sidestep side and shoot, it's money, it's cash. He's your best three-point shooter. He's going to help improve your three-point shooting this year. And Bogey did not play. Bogey is a pretty solid three-point shooter. He's in the upper 30s as well. So it's going to be, if they're going to improve with a three-point shooting team, it's going to be about team offense Off-ball movement, moving the ball, setting some screens and getting shooters cleaner looks from beyond the three-point line and and catch-and-shoot opportunities. And when you get them, you got to make them. So that's something to look at, too, for the rest of the year, how they improve their three-point shooting, how they improve their flow on offense, defensively running three-point shooters off the line, forcing them to taking tough, contested shots, and limiting turnovers. Limiting turnovers so they're not in transition defense. I thought the Hawks played a little bit better defensively tonight. Obviously, they only gave up 105 points. So by default, compared to the 108 and 113 that they allowed in the two games with the Bucks, it was a better defensive performance tonight. Now, the Cavaliers started off slow. In the first quarter, not making a lot of baskets, which led the Hawks to get an early first quarter league. But then the, uh, it flipped. <laughs> and then the Hawks struggled shooting the ball in the second quarter. And the Cavaliers were hot. So just getting off to a fast start. Um, but there's still still a lot of positive takeaways from tonight's game. Even in the losing effort, even though they didn't score over 100 points tonight, there was a lot of positives. And I think it's only up from here. They're a healthy team. Get well soon. Clint Capella, I expect them not to play on Friday night. Maybe some other players get some rest to preserve them, some starters. um, Maybe Trey Young and Murray get limited minutes on Friday. But certainly this team is building good habits, and they just need to continue to work on gaining continuity, establishing good habits, continuing to play together, get healthy, and let's see how things play. In this tough Eastern Conference, it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a very fun year, and it's going to be already a fun year. Uh, start of the year with you know sports ethos Atlanta Hawks. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us good reviews. Share it and tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. You know the drill. Share it with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, basketball fans, Georgia sports fans, everybody who wants to hear about the Hawks. Love Murray. Love Trey Young. Love John Collins, Okongwu. Love AJ Griffin and the Duke boys. Hey, put them onto this program. Put them onto our Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Hawks On Twitter, that's at Hawks, And then follow myself, Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad jarrett 6 seven. We will catch you guys. I'm going to head out of town. I'm ironically heading to the great state of Louisiana. But I will be back to break down the Pelicans matchup after they play on Friday night uh, with your Atlanta Hawks. So I will catch you guys next time. You guys stay safe and let's go Hawks.